You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Mike Lewis. Good morning, everybody. I want to talk to you about, I could title this message, uh, What They Didn't Teach You in School. Are possibly the opposite of what they did teach you. Um, <clears throat> America is very much like an individual. You have your start and you develop and you become. And you don't get everything right. And so the first thing I want to say is we hadn't got everything right as a country. And uh, so we've been talking about that for the last couple of years and owning it. We understand that. But regardless of what's not right, there's a lot that is right. And in our culture today, uh, light and darkness are becoming more and more obvious. The Bible talks about that. It says that, you know, the day is coming and it has. And it says that line of demarcation is there. And so we find ourselves in a culture where we are counterculture to a great degree. We find ourselves in a culture that a lot of what is being said and taught and put out there is A, if it's not true, or B, there's something wrong with it morally. So we as a leadership have been feeling more and more like we, we need to be sure that we are equipping you. The Bible says our main purpose as leaders in the church, for the fivefold ministry, is to equip the people that are in the church. In other words, to know what this book says and to understand it so that you can apply it. Um, but I have a couple that comes in my office for counseling, and they really have, they're done. And they come in and they said, we, we, we're, we're finished, we're done. Uh, <clears throat> what I asked them to do for the next session is I asked them to bring me uh, all kind of pictures and just a history of their life. They don't know what it's for. But what I know is, is if I can get somebody telling me their story about when they were actually in love, Start talking about the passion that really was there. Start talking about how that happened, how special that individual was. The chance of rekindling something is high. The chance of touching something that they now know was missing. They now can identify and possibly go to work. So what I want to talk to you about this morning is some things that were. Now, you may have been taught the opposite, but I want to talk about things that really were. Um, it's, been, it's been many, many years this has been going on, but it's just heightened recently, the last few years. And that is they're trying their best to rewrite history. It's always been the case, to rewrite history. And somebody would just have to ask the question, why is that so important? 
I mean, why, why rewrite history? Well, the answer may be in the words of George Orwell, he who controls the past controls the future. Isn't that interesting? If you can choose the narrative of the past and make it look like you want to look, then that gives you the power to change the future. Karl Marx said it this way, a people without a heritage are easily persuaded. So how, how, do, how do we as believers, how does, you, how does your own line, how, how do we understand our heritage so that we now are not persuaded in areas that we don't need to be persuaded. How do we stand? How do believers and Christians stand in a culture that believes a lot of what this book says is not true? And yet it's true for us. I'll never forget years and years ago when I was working in alcohol and drug abuse, we had some folks come down to, from Columbia from the headquarters and uh, they knew we were Christians and uh, working there. And so went out lunch one day, and I remember this guy asked. He looked directly at me. He says, Mike, do you actually believe a fish swallows somebody? I looked back at him, and I said, I actually believe that. Fish is why? Why do you say that, Mike? Because this is is the Bible, if the Bible says it, is it true? Yes or no? Yes. I believe it's true. So, I want to give a couple of resources and where I've gotten my material. This book is called The Miracle That Changed the World. The 5,000 Year Leap. It's a fabulous book. Basically what it says is, the men and women who put together and our, our founding fathers early in that day had never been created before in 5,000 years. Our Constitution was not something that was copied. Our Constitution was something that was hammered out and worked out. Had never been done. There had never been a form of government like that. And he explains that and goes through all the principles behind that great book. Also talks about the fact of how our forefathers and um, really believed they were on a mission from God. They, they, they really believed that God had called them. They really believed they were being led by the Spirit of God. They, 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 really, they were totally convinced that providence was leading them. This next book, The Light and the Glory, fabulous book. Goes through a lot of the early stuff. We'll give you a great history. I just want to read you a small piece talking about providence from someone that you will recognize. His name was Columbus. Listen to what Columbus wrote himself. It was the Lord who put in my mind. Now listen. I could feel his hand upon me. 
the fact that it was possible to sail to the Indies. All that heard of my project rejected it. They laughed. They ridiculed me. There was no question that the inspiration from the Holy Spirit, because he comforted me with rays of marvelous inspiration from scriptures. Now listen. I did not make use of intelligence or mathematics or maps. I simply used what Isaiah had prophesied. Now, he didn't put the scripture in there. He just left it like that. But most people believe it was this scripture in Isaiah that he was referring to. He who sits above the circle of the earth. Did y'all read about when they thought the earth was flat? All I had to do was read the Bible. <laughs> earth not flat. <laughs> now, <clears throat> with this sense of providence that these guys had, let's go ahead and give you these if you take them. I recommend these books, by the way, seriously. If you, if you, if you need to understand more, because particularly if you have children in school, you need, to, you need to read that. This Providence thing, does this sound like any other nation that you've ever heard of? Maybe this nation, Deuteronomy 7. For you are a people holy to the Lord God. Your Lord God has chosen you to be a people he treasures a treasured possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Who is that? Who is he talking about? Say it louder, who? Israel, exactly right. It was not because you were more in number than other people. The Lord set his love on you and chose you. He said, you're the fewest of all people. So it wasn't because of you. It was a sovereign choice is the reason he chose Israel. And he says to them in verse 9, he says, Know therefore the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant, steadfast love for those who love him and keeps his commandments to a thousand generation. Do you know that the Bible and Christianity is sowed all throughout the founding of this country? You'll find it in every aspect of, of government and of education, of free enterprise. I mean, th our founding fathers literally thought this really was the way you do life. I mean, you could find it in here. It was the centerpiece. They actually read it and studied it to figure out how to do life. It wasn't just for an inspiration. No, no, no. This, this was to answer questions. This was to figure it out. It was, it was a guide to everything. Listen to Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry says, The Bible is a book worth more than any other books ever printed. Now listen. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> as, I, as I put this together, I, I just, I, I tried to imagine, are these just words that are said? Or how does a passion develop so deeply that an individual would say of all the books ever printed, what kind of affection did he have for this book? What kind of respect did he have? What, what, what was that deep devotion? What, what, was, what was the character of this man like to love this book that much? I mean, you just have to wonder. 
Who, who, have you, who have you said, who have you heard say recently, the Bible is the most important book ever printed? No, Webster, the Bible is the chief moral cause of all that's good. The best correct corrector of all that is evil in human society. The best book regulating temporal, that means secular, concerns of man. Who thinks that way? Who takes the Bible and puts it on that shelf in their life and, and of all society, to handle all society? Where do you handle it? Right here. Benjamin Rush. The Bible should be read in our schools in preference to all of the... Oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> no. No, keep it out of schools. You know, I, I got so much going on. <laughs> I, I, I could talk. Y'all be here at 3 o'clock this afternoon where I can keep talking? Come on, bro. Come on. <laughs> Seriously, I'm serious. <clears throat> I remember reading one quote as to why they got rid of the Ten Commandments in schools. You know why they got rid of it? Well, for a lot of reasons, but you know, you know what the quote said? If the Ten Commandments were on the walls of our schools, children might see them and believe them. Wouldn't that be terrible? Preference to all other books <clears throat> from it containing the greatest portion of that kind of knowledge which is calculated to produce private and public, what? Happiness. How did he know that? Did he just, again, he make up the word, work with me here because I'm sitting in my office and I'm thinking at home preparing for this and I'm thinking... That couldn't be just words for him. What had he experienced in life in relation to this book that he could truthfully come out of his mouth? If you want to be happy, it's this book. He experienced that. Daniel Webster, <clears throat> the great defender of the Constitution, said, To be free and universal reading of the Bible, men are, such in, are, are much indebted to the right views of civil liberty. The Bible is a book which teaches man his own individual responsibility, his own dignity and equality with his fellow man. Well, <clears throat> again, keep in mind in those early days, they, they were trying to sort through because if you, if you were born four centuries ago, the chances are very, very good that you were born in a, in a country that had a king. The Bible talks about kings. And so you would think then the, 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 being a, the king is the way of God's governing. He would think that way. But not so quickly. Because in 1 Samuel, I'm going to tell you the story. We have the scripture here. But I'm going to tell you the story for the sake of time. Samuel, who was a prophet, in verse 4, it says, The elders of Israel gathered around Samuel. And verse 5 said, Look, Samuel, you are old. That's the way to start a conversation. 
look, Samuel, you're old. And he didn't do a very good job raising his kids. They were wild kids. And so they said, what we want, Samuel, is for you to give us a king. Catch this phrase. You need to work with your teenagers around this phrase. Because we want to be like other nations. Give us a king. Samuel went to the Lord with it, and the Lord's response to him was this. Samuel, don't take it. I'm paraphrasing now. Samuel, don't take it personally. Because they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. I just thought that was interesting, and I won't go there, but I thought it was interesting that who, what their choices they made when it comes to who rules over them was a rejection of God or accepting God. Interesting, isn't it? Oh, Sam, don't take it personally because they are rejecting me. And then he goes on and he says this. He starts in verse 11. But tell them they got their wishes. You know when a bad day is? A bad day is when the Lord gives you your wishes and they're not his will. That's a bad day. I'll let you do it. You're being so stubborn, I'll let you go ahead and do your way. He said, but you need to understand, with this king, verse 11 starts, the behavior of the king who reigns over you, he will take your sons and appoint them to his own chariots and horsemen. He will appoint captains in verse 12. He will, he will take your daughters, verse 13, be perfumers and cooks and bakers, and he'll take the best of your field. He goes on down this whole list. And he says, but. You want it, now you got it. <clears throat> Interest. So what do you, if it's not a king, what do you call this? What, what do you call what God wanted? I think you call it a republic. All right, where do you get that from? Look at Exodus 18, 21. Moreover, you shall select from the people among men, such as, number one, who does what? Fear God, number two, men of truth. Number three, they hate covetousness. And place them over, place over them to be rulers of thousands. So you got five, so ruling thousands. You got folks who can rule hundreds. You got folks who can rule 50. And you got folks who can rule 10. That's probably what you would call local, county, and state, and federal levels. So they, they, they looked at this book and tried to figure this out as they were trying in those early days to do this. And they learned about self-government. They learned about private property. What does the Bible say about private property? I mean, it says simply this. Exodus 20, 15. Don't steal. It ain't yours. <laughs> if it ain't yours, it ain't yours. Then he goes on to say in Exodus 20, 17, and you should not covet your neighbor's house, covet your neighbor's wife, your maidservant, uh, manservant, maidservant, his ox, donkeys. Stay away from the donkey. It's not yours. Come on. It's, don't do it. And so they studied about society and about how to, how, how you, how to handle people, how to help people. Because in, in that early formation, they had a lot of common stuff together. But what it didn't take long to figure out, and you figured this out too. You'll be with any group of folks, and you'll find hard workers, and you'll find lazy. 
Lazy people. You don't mind helping somebody. We all want to help somebody, don't we? We all want to help. But I tell you, somebody, they're lazy. Well, <clears throat> somebody, what, 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 did they, what did they find that says about that? Well, it's simple. Look in the good book. First Timothy 5, 8, look what it says. If anyone does not provide for his own relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, now wait, 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 wait. Now, now this, is not, don't, this is not a judgmental thing. This is not somebody who can't find a job. This is not a hard time. This is not all of any of that stuff. This is somebody who's lazy. God don't like lazy. He just don't like it. No. And look what he says again. We're forming this whole thing together. How do, how do we see society and life, et cetera, this whole thing? 2 Thessalonians 3.10. For even when we gave you this rule, what was the rule? If a man don't work, he don't. Not complicated. No worky. No eating. My man... Michael, you being hard. No, 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 I'm not being hard. I know there's people without jobs. I know there's tough spots. We're not talking. We're not talking about it. God will help you get a job. He wants you to have one. And he, he feels that if you're in between, this is not about any of that other stuff. Don't make it about any of that other stuff. This is about lazy. <laughs> yep, I don't care. Son, dog, I don't care. God don't like lazy. Now, <clears throat> then came the issue of education. Because keep in mind, this early group had come from a lot of European descent, this early group. <clears throat> Two things had happened that etched something in their soul. One of it was the pulpit was tied, I mean, the, the Bible was chained to the pulpit. And it was not in their language. So they couldn't read it. So you have, you have a, a society sitting listening to somebody tell them what this means. And so they could tell them anything. They had been abused by that. And it etched deep on their soul the value of learning to read. The, sec the second thing was government. Is that if they couldn't read and if they didn't know what was happening, they could, again could be taken and, and exploited. So a high bar within these guys of saying, we have, we, have got, we have got to have education. <clears throat> so look at what the founding fathers did. Th now this was Delaware did this, but there's a lot of other states that did it. I just wanted to point this out to you. Every person appointed to public office shall say, I do profess faith in God the Father, in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and the Holy Ghost, and the one who uh, blessed, for, blessed for evermore. And I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures and the Old Testament and given the divine inspiration. You say, well, Mike, that's pretty specific. I mean, is that, I mean, is that, what is that? 
Oh, no, it didn't, it, it didn't violate what would become the, 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 the First Amendment. Because it didn't say a particular. It says, in order to be in office, you've got to have a spiritual value. It didn't say it had to be Presbyterian or it had to be Baptist or it had to be anything. That's, that state church is what they were totally against. That's what they came from. They didn't want to have any more of the state-owned church. And what they wanted was that freedom, freedom to read the Bible themselves, and freedom for self-government. That's what, that's what they were after totally. <clears throat> now, so when education came, the, the first book was made, and it was a New, New England uh, primer. And they're going to show you something on the screen here, because with, with that, they started teaching the alphabet, and they showed them how to make one, two, and three-letter syllables. And then they put the syllables together to make words. Then they created a section called rhyming the alphabet. It's how they taught. You started off going to school first grade, and they taught you this. The illustration for A was this. Now, now catch this. For th this was for 200 years. Catch this. A is an illustration of Adam and Eve at a tree, and then it had this rhyme. In Adam's fall, we send all. Wow. B, the picture of a man holding a Bible in his hand and looking at heaven with a rhyme. Heaven is to find the Bible mine. C, a star over, over Bethlehem, several shepherds standing on a hill, and the rhyme says, Christ crucified for sinners died. Can you imagine being in the first grade and being taught that? I mean, that's, that sounds like seminary. But it's this book. Why? Because of what the forefathers said. This was how important it was now to get this into the hearts of their children. So you could do two things. You could get this in their heart and teach them to read. So let's do both of them, they said. Now, now, I know you guys, and y'all know your Bibles and stuff, so I don't mean to insult you. But in, in this grammar school thing at the back of the book, it had 170 questions. This, I mean, this is, again, this is small kids. So the questions start out like this. What was the fifth commandment? Now, we all know that. We're grammar school kids, right? Or right, how about the second one? What was forbidden in the fifth commandment? Oh, they didn't teach you that in school? How about this one? What is the Sixth Commandment? What's forbidden in the Sixth Commandment? Y'all guys doing all right? <laughs> now, now, now listen, how about this? We're talking, I want you to imagine, imagine with me when they got together and they said, how important is it to get this book in our children's hearts? I mean, that drove them so deeply until, let me ask you just a few other questions that you will know easily. What offices does Christ execute as our Redeemer? How about, does Christ execute the office of a prophet? Which is the answer to the top question. What offices? Prophet, priest, and king. So the third next one is, does Christ execute the office of priest? Does Christ execute the office of... What are the benefits from having to do... Oh, my goodness. 
Now, I mean, this, y'all okay? Y'all, hey, y'all okay? Y'all okay? Y'all doing okay? I just, I know we're a long way from where we were. But you know, you know how you find a fake $100 bill? Oh, you find one that's flawed and then see that one's flawed. No, you find the perfect $100 bill. That's the only way you know where you've come from is to know what it was like. <clears throat> now, understanding all that, now the revolution now was over, and so one of the first things that happened is Congress made a plan, and you'll never, you'll never guess what Congress did. The Congress of the United States of America. You know what it did? A plan was proposed to Congress to print the first English Bible, and it rolled off the press in 1782. See, you couldn't print in English in England. That's the reason the Bible was in a different language. They now felt so strongly about this until Congress ordered that the Bible be printed. They called it the Bible of the Revolution. I hope you're tracking with some kind of value inside that existed as a, in this country. A lot of people are shocked to find out that Congress did that. But, I mean, if you, along with this, now the war's over, so Washington resigned because... He was resisting the whole thing of becoming a king, and now they wanted to move on and develop the, the government. But when he resigned, he said these words, Without this imitation of Christ, we could never hope to be happy as a nation. How did, he, how did they know it? Because they lived it out. They signed the, they signed the treaty. Now, John Adams and Benjamin Franklin and John Jay, they signed the treaty. And the treaty they signed began with these words, in the name of the most holy and undivided trinity. You know, one of the probably least um, um, spiritually presenting guy among those guys was... Um, Franklin, Benjamin Franklin. But he addressed the president at this convention because Article of Confederation now wouldn't work, so now they had to develop the Constitution. They were working on it. They were doing all this stuff, and finally he stood up. And he's the least of them, at least in my opinion, because he just reading about him, you know him. If you ever read about him, you know him. But he, he started, he gave the, the talk, and by the time he finished, the least of which, he quoted Genesis, he quoted Psalms, he quoted Matthew 10. And as they put this thing together, and this is what, this is what the guy was saying in that 5,000-year leap, they didn't copy this from another constitution. They, they, they didn't just put, they hammered this thing out. They, they worked on it. I mean, they, 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 got, they got down in the middle of it. it. They worked out what it was like. And why, why do we have these, these balances of power and 
and, and checks. Where did that come from? It came because, because Hamilton and because Washington, which you know that battle, you know, of those two, but they worked together. And they said, uh, we need to read Jeremiah 17, 9. Because Je- Jeremiah says, of all of us who are working this together, that our heart is deceitfully deceitful and above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it, Jeremiah said. So he said, you better have checks and balances. You, 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 you better have somebody to have been watching out for this because the human heart, hey, can anybody agree with that? Yes or no? I mean, if you're not for you, it's for your husband. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <clears throat> um, so where do you know, how do you get those balances? What are those balances? What are those three tension points you put together? They hammered this thing. I mean, hammered it out. And they came to uh, Isaiah 33:22, For the Lord is our judge, judicial branch. The Lord is our lawgiver, legislative branch. And the Lord is our king, executive branch. I thought I got it. And there will be tension between those two, but there would be a balance. How about the, the concept that was an issue a few years ago with, with the, saying the president has to be born in the United States? Remember that? Well, where did that come from? It came from Deuteronomy 17, 5, 15. Be sure to appoint over you the king that the Lord God has chosen, our leadership. He must be from among you, from your own brothers. Do not place a foreigner over you. Article 2, Section 1. It, it, it's, it's, it's just amazing how you, it, it just shot through. What do you think about... Um, Capital punishment. Well, whatever you think about it, and everybody's welcome to their own opinion, but let's see what the Bible says about it. Deut- Deuteronomy 17:6. On the testimony of two or three witnesses, a man shall be put to death, but no one shall be put to death the testimony of another witness. In other words, it's got to be done in a way you're sure. Make no, this is not light, this is not tri- trivial, but this is sure. Um, the fact Dave mentioned earlier about the offering and one of the things, rare things and pray that it holds out as long as the Lord has to hold out if it don't, we'll be fine and that is that the church doesn't have to pay tax and where did that come from? that comes from Ezra 7.24 and you also shall know that you have no authority to impose taxes and tribute and duty on any of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, temple servants, or other workers of the house of God. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, <clears throat> that's what, what I've been telling you, right? Just the whole thing falls under a canopy of, of Judeo-Christian values. And friends, that's where the war is. That's where the fight is. That, that's, that, is, that, is the, that is the battle. And, and it's amazing. It's amazing how our culture is going after children. It's absolutely amazing. A little kid. I mean, they, 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 
they can't, they, they don't have the with, wherewithal to sort through and rationally work something out and figure it out. You know, they just don't. And that's the subject for another day that we will cover. But again, I'm having trouble finishing this one. <laughs> but, but watch out for your kids. Now watch out for your kids. Um, know what is being taught them. Don't turn them. Hey, everybody look at me. Nobody else is called to parent your kids but you. And one day, you and I will stand before God Almighty and we'll give an account for what we let them be exposed to. Now, they're age-appropriate stuff, but my heart goes out mostly to the ones who yet are of age to be able to sort through the complicated issues that they're facing. Um, <clears throat> Well, Mike, now these guys were, now the educational system I'm told you about, and, and I'm wrapping up now, it, these founders, most of them came through it. So did it work to be educated in this system? Did it work? Well, let me give you one case and see what you think about it. Uh, <clears throat> John Quincy Adams, he, uh, <clears throat> under this system of education, he received a congressional diplomatic appointment overseas to the court of Catherine, in, Catherine the Great in Russia as secretary to the ambassador. Pretty good, huh? Guess how old he was? Fourteen. Fourteen. He already had all that stuff down. Jefferson graduated and went to college at fourteen. John Quincy Adams was asked in a speech, why, why at that time, why was the 4th of July and Christmas the highlight of days of celebration? And his answer was, well, paraphrase, the Redeemer came to redeem, the United States was formed to redeem and to share the gospel around the world. <clears throat> Father, I pray now on this day that is a, a really it's a, it's a remarkable day of, that we celebrate of how how, how your hand was on America, how it was providential. And now in your, in your graciousness, you allowed us to be a part of this country. Nowhere around the world, even today, is there as much freedom as many blessings as you have blessed this country with. So we thank you. We honor you for what you've done. And we ask you to help us 
dear Lord, raise up the Patrick Henrys. Raise up the John Adams. Raise up the men and women who loved this word like they loved it and who wanted to instill it in children. And, and I do, I pray, I pray for families that are under such attack. Lord God, strengthen our families. Strengthen our children. Bless and keep your hand on them. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.